Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, listeners. I've got some big news. Chronicles of Nania is now on Patreon, and any size donation gets you access to the Nania Facebook group, where you can chat with other nannies and caregivers. You'll also get access to episodes earlier than everyone else. Take a look and choose your tier. Some tiers give you monthly bonus episodes. Some tiers give you ad-free episodes. There's a lot there. So go visit Patreon and search for Chronicles of Nania, or you can get there by clicking the link in the show notes. And don't worry, if you can't give right now, you'll always have access to free episodes wherever you're listening right now. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. This is your host, Martha Tyler. And this week, I'm so excited because I have on Tessa and Marie from Shenanigans. Hi, guys. <laughs> We're here. We're here. I'm so excited to be here, Martha. <laughs> we, we've crossed oh, over. We have we've crossed, crossed over. over. <laughs> Yes. If y'all have been sleeping on Shenanigans podcast, which I love a pun. I mean, (laughs) we were talking about how both of our uh, podcast titles have puns in them. And I just really love it. We're Mm -hmm. just so punny. Yeah. We are punny. So punny. I love it. Okay. Well, I'm going to let you all go one at a time. I would love to hear your like nanny journey. Um, you know, just like the spark notes for now, cause we're going to get into more of it as the episode goes, but I, I, I can go first. Wonderful. So, so I am Marie of she nannigans and I started nannying back in 2008 um, <laughs> when I gather around the Snapchat children. Oh, the, the Snapchat, you see. Um, but that's when Facebook became a thing. Um, no, so True. I began my nanny journey um, in 2008 after I graduated from college, University of Pittsburgh, go Panthers, um, even though we suck at every sport on the planet. Um, and we have really had um, a fun little talk about my journey of, you know, starting with twins, then kind of Me working. Too. I, 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 I started with twins. 
Um, and then I worked as a house manager. Then I worked for another family with twins. And then I decided, no, I don't want to do this anymore because, you know, nanny burnout is a real thing. So I worked at a bank in downtown Pittsburgh because why wouldn't I, you know? (laughs) And uh, after I worked at the bank, I said, I don't want to do this. This isn't fun. And after all the growing pains, I was able to find a family that I have been currently with for almost eight years. Wow. Amazing. I love that journey. I feel good about it. (laughs) Awesome. Tessa, share uh, your journey with us, please. Sure. Um, As I started, well, I started caring for other people's children when I was like 12. I took like that babysitter course that's at um, McGee Women's Hospital in Pittsburgh. And um, my first like official nanny job was a summer gig while I was studying um, for my undergrad. And uh, it was an odd experience. They were all older, older children. Uh, (laughs) parents issues um and uh my my first like big um nanny job I guess also came in like 2008 or 2009 um my co-worker um I worked at a brewery and like brewery restaurant and the brewer (laughs) the brewer's wife had like a premature labor she almost died Mm. um and basically like he needed to work and, and sleep to work. So I became their night nanny, mm-hmm. um, and basically make sure that the baby was breathing. She was on a heart and lung machine at home, <laughs> um, so that the, the mother could also get the rest that she needed and the father could like, you know, sleep and be able to go to work. Um, and that was, you know, four months of my life. And then I like babysat for them occasionally after that, but I was there. Yeah. Their night nurse for, a good three months learning how to like, you know, monitor the machine, make sure it was hooked up properly. Also, you know, not sleep myself because, you know, (laughs) I always like have my hand like hovering above her belly and like have it like touch my hand as she breathes. I was like, okay. (laughs) Cause like babies breathe so lightly. Um, and then, uh, moved to Europe, um, started out teaching English as a foreign language, then got a like VIP job, um, just off the cuff, it was sort of like, oh, hey, you like working with children. There's a nanny job available here in Bratislava. I was like, oh, okay, I will take that job. Um, it was awesome. Um, then I moved to France and taught high school for three years. And I was like, wow, I made so much more money as a nanny. I should probably do that again, please. Nope. <laughs> and uh, when I moved from Normandy to Paris, I took um, two part-time nanny jobs. Um, two of them were older children. So it was like evenings. And then my day job was with a 10 month old baby who was like the love of my life. Um, and like, I love like all three of the children right. were so great. It was like, it was really great to like have that mixture of like baby during the day and like better, like <laughs> more fluid conversations in the evening. <laughs> um, and so when I moved back to the States, um, and I had like other like temporary jobs here and there between then, um, moved back to the States, tried to get like a quote unquote, like real job, but again, like they all pay crap. Um, and I didn't have a car and didn't have a whole bunch of things that you need to like live in the United States. So, uh, got another nanny job with my last family and I ended with twins. I had never had multiples until that point. And, um, it was a family of four. They're like the most amazing people on earth. We just messed like meshed really well. And then they ruined me for any other family (laughs) 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 because I like the thought of nannying for anyone new, um, just like breaks my heart and just like, no, cause like they were the ultimate. I never want to go 
to anyone ever again. And uh, they were the ones who pushed me to start my own agency, which I have done, but I'm also studying to be a psychologist. So yay. (laughs) Amazing. I love all of that. I took that babysitter certification course at the YMCA when I was also 12. So Mm -hmm. I feel very, we're all very kindred spirits. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Love it. Okay. Let's talk about nannying as a catapult into other things because all three of us, um, have, as we've gone through our nanny journeys, found things that we really love about nannying and applied it outside of specifically just nannying, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have, I know for me, it was really, uh, it was a, it was a difficult decision, um, that I knew was coming because the kids were growing up and they were both going to be going to school. Um, and it was a lot of, can, can I get another family? Yes. But do I want another family? Mm -hmm. And so it was very strange because I've never had that type of power, I guess, in the decision-making and in all honesty, I really was not ready to give them up. And so I, I, I mean, I had some really deep heart to heart discussions with them because after almost eight years, I mean, you're, you're a unit at that point. Yeah. And so I didn't want to keep them in the dark. They didn't want to keep me in the dark. So we are constantly talking, which is really important. As everybody knows, as a nanny, you have to have this constant fluid, you know, communication with everyone in your unit. And I investigated all kinds of different avenues. I'm like, I can teach online. Well, that wasn't taking off fast enough. (laughs) Well, I can freelance, right? Well, nobody cared about what I had to say. (laughs) And so so I was investigating and investigating. I'm like, oh my gosh, how can I make this work? And I have a nanny friend who, when she was in the same situation, got a job as a preschool instructor. And I called her one day and I was like, I need you to be real with me. I need you to break it down because as we all know, if you're going into education and Tessa taught, like, you know, touched on this, you don't make a lot of money. Um, You do a lot of work and (laughs) you're not going to be making, you know, the top dollar. It just doesn't exist when you're working in a school. And I had to really wrap my head around that. And once I talked to her and she gave me, as I like to say, the real talk of, Mm -hmm. you know, not sugarcoating everything. I was like, well, you know what? I do a summer camp with my kids and I have written curriculum. I have done these things. I have organized all of these activities. So in my head, I'm like, I could legitimately parlay this into a teaching career So once I talked to my nanny bosses, they were like their first thing, which again, I feel this is rare, but their first thing was, do you want to do this? Don't do it just because it would make our lives easier to know that you're still here, which is huge. Huge. (laughs) So, so, cause they could have easily been selfish and like, yeah, that sounds great. Go ahead, go do this. But they were like, have you thought about this? Have you broken down? Like, this is what your schedule will be. Are you okay with that? And, um, once I interviewed for the job, um, 
I got it immediately because I'm awesome. But, (laughs) but, but, um, once I got the job and I actually got teamed up with my friend to co-teach, um, it was like the stars had aligned, you know, and it was very much of, I wouldn't have had that confidence, I guess, if I hadn't learned what I learned as a nanny, if I hadn't done what I had done as a nanny, especially in the summers with the curriculum and activities and the, you know, structure basically, because school is structure. You're teaching children how to be in school. Um, if I hadn't done that as a nanny, I would not have even remotely considered doing uh, pre-K instruction. And what's funny is that I mentioned I was trying to do online learning and I started it in January and I had a child sign up. <laughs> um, I now am like booked to the max doing this. And it's really funny because I have a lot of my classes early in the morning mm-hmm. and late at night because I am teaching on the other side of the world. (laughs) Right. So um, now I'm trying to learn time management. (laughs) (laughs) So again, taking those nanny tips of, oh, time management with children is so easy. Try to do it as an adult. It doesn't work. (laughs) So that's another skill that you kind of have to ease into, but definitely, definitely fun because as a nanny, you don't feel like you have those skills until someone asks you, Hey, have you done this? Have you tried that? Have you? And I'm like, wow, I have done a lot of stuff. Like you don't think about it. And I feel like nannies are in the same boat as me when it comes to that of like, we do a lot of stuff and we have a large skill set. So when you sit down and think about, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for 15 years and look at, I've taught kids from newborn all the way to 14 and all the different skills and all the different, like it's mind boggling. Mm -hmm. And so that is definitely how I was able to catapult myself (laughs) part-time, part-time into teaching, which has been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Yes. I, I love all of that. And it's so interesting because my journey was somewhat the opposite of yours in that I started out teaching high schoolers. Um, I know. Uh, and I loved it. I, I really, really enjoyed, um, almost everything about it, except that I would see these kids and I was like, you know, I would ask them, Hey, like I noticed you were falling asleep in class. Like what's going on? And, um, you know, they'd be like, Oh, I had to take care of my little sister. Cause my mom worked a second shift yesterday. And I was like, of course you don't care about Frankenstein. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you're yeah. not sleeping. Like you're being asked to be an adult. And so my, when I was in the high school classroom, I just was like, this isn't deep enough work for me. Um, I'm not able to like get to the parts of kids' lives that I really care about inside of a classroom. And I am not saying that teachers do not affect children's lives deeply. They absolutely do. I am forever in debt to my English teachers in high school. Like (laughs) they absolutely changed my life. Um, It was just the way that I wanted (laughs) to interact with children's lives. I was not, 
I was scolded for doing inside of the classroom. Um, and so then when I moved to Chicago, I like was trying to find anything. And back to what you were saying, Marie, I completely agree. Cause I was waiting tables. I was like a cocktail waitress working in this like appetizers, like tapas type place. And then also nannying. And I was like, these are the same skills. <laughs> it's, it is, it's so funny. It is so funny. Cause I I'm with you. Like whenever I prepare food, yep. it, it, it is like, I have gotten so good with like my knife skills because of how small you have to cut. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know that. It's just, it's hilarious. And it, I don't know. I, I understand what you're saying though, is that I really worked primarily with children that had either a previous nanny mm-hmm. or they were just older. And my current family is the first family I've ever worked for where I started essentially with a newborn infant. And it, I would never say never to anything, but right now I would never work (laughs) for another family that didn't have me start with them in the beginning. It's so much like better. It is so much better. Cause you're like building the skills from the jump. Yes. And that was my whole thing. Cause I was like, Oh man, I haven't been with an infant in so long. I don't know. And I, I don't know. It was just this connection of, wow, this is, this is going to work. This, this feels right. This is going to work. And yes, yeah, some days are harder than others when you're working with an infant. Right. But in all honesty, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Yeah because it's just that starting so young. And that's why, like, when you're saying with the teaching, it's like, you want to build this connection Mm -hmm. and being a nanny is a very personal job. And as a teacher, it's like, you're, you're teaching at them. Mm -hmm. And as a nanny, you're, you're, you're teaching with them, right? It's a difference. And so and I don't know if that makes any sense, but like, that's, that's kind of how I feel. It's just, there's no wall, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you. I, I would have, I would have probably done the same thing as you because there's just such a difference than teaching at a class mm-hmm. than with a class. And especially with high schoolers, see, that's tough. Cause that's a tough age too. Yeah. That's a very difficult age, See, especially now. <laughs> I really, I really loved teaching high school. I, yeah, I miss I it. Loved it too. I, yeah. I, re- I really miss it. I, I would, if I were to teach again, like I really like ultimately like my goal is to teach at the collegiate level mm-hmm. um, or master's level, but I think I, you'd be great at that. If I were, if I were given the opportunity to teach in high school again and knew that I could live off of the salary, I, I would do it in a heartbeat because I, I love how difficult they are. Like, I don't know <laughs> what it is. My favorite students were always the worst ones. Like the, the, like, Same. The, I, I just, um, cause they were all so clever and deep and like, obviously like they had issues that they were working through, which is why they like acted out and being able to like pull them aside and like have a relationship with them and be there for them was awesome. And like in France, I was allowed to have my pink hair, which it devastates nice. me here that like most times I can't. <laughs> right. Um, and like that alone, I think opened them up to me. Um, just like having that like difference and being different in that like small and very simple way. Um, I, oh my gosh, there's, I, I really 
the only thing I really couldn't stand about teaching was that like, well, at least in France, like I was able to still breathe and like travel and do things where I was like, here, right. you just like, you can't do anything. And I also had full autonomy in France right. here you're, you have pressure from like the school board and you have pressure from parents and you can't do certain things. It's, a, it's, a, it's very similar to nannying, I think in that sense. Whereas like in France, like my classroom was my playground and my like kingdom. It was, I could do what I wanted and like I was trusted by my colleagues and my bosses and the parents to do right by them. And, you know, fortunately <laughs> I'm the kind of person that like, didn't take advantage of that. You know, I took advantage of it in the sense that all of my students really improved during my time with them. Um, it was just like, it felt amazing all around, but I don't, I just, I don't know that I could ever teach stateside. Like, yeah, <laughs> that was the thing is that I was often, um, scolded for doing what was actually good for the student. Right. And that yes. felt really frustrating, like over yes. and over. And I, what you said about like them getting into, you know, the, the, like pr- the quote unquote problem kids are their favorite kids. Yeah. Totally true. I had this one day teaching, I was teaching 1984 uh, mm-hmm. to my seniors and I just hear like, I'm in the middle of teaching and I hear, Z, and I was like, Hey folks, what was that? <laughs> and this kid will call him Brian was like um was like I didn't think it'd be so loud and I was like whatever just happened the volume is not the issue and Mm -hmm. he was like I zip tied Sam to the desk (laughs) and I was like I was like Brian hey bud uh, the the volume definitely not the issue here it's that like if we had a fire you just killed sam and yeah. it was like Come get these scissors and i did have enough trust in the kid i was like please cut your classmate out of the zip tie that mm-hmm. you used he did it around his belt to be fair it wasn't like around his wrist or anything i mean it is kind of funny see, see <laughs> i know and i was like i was like next time just be better like see, i was always like if you can get away with stuff in my classroom then go for it this yeah, is where is i'm funny. this is where i'm crazy though like i would use this opportunity <laughs> with my like wealth of knowledge thanks to like self-defense and true crime i'd be like all right now let's help Sam get out of the zip tie on his own. Like, <laughs> you yes. like a teaching opportunity to like, yes. wow. or connect it, connect it to the oppression we see in 1984. Oh, yeah. no. 1984 <laughs> yes. is a heavy book too. It is. It is. It is. Oh man, that was like one of the greatest parts of teaching in France though, because they use, um, I also taught English. Yeah. Um, they use a lot of like Anglophone history um, in their English learning, especially at the, the high school level, the higher up you go, the deeper you get into like history of different countries. And I learned so much more about American history and like British colonialism than I ever learned in any level of education in the United States, like about like our own stuff. And I was like, huh, how did I not learn this? <laughs> and I they're like, yeah, absolutely believe that. <laughs> but, um, but one of the things that they really like, oh man, every year my students would be like, like Thanksgiving would be coming up and they'd be like black Friday. It's cultural. 
let's watch the videos. I'm like, no, we're not watching the videos of people like giving each other black eyes for Black Friday. Like that's just not going to be a thing that happens. (laughs) That will not happen in my classroom. So yeah, Tessa, let's hear a little bit about like your, uh, what, what nannying has catapulted you into. Um, so I, I guess like the obvious, um, scenario is like that, you know, I'm now a nanny agent, um, because like I had my unicorn family. Um, I've, I've only worked long-term with really amazing families. Um, so I feel really bad that this last one, it's just like this last one was like, you know what, you're done. Like this is, this is right. the ultimate in every way. They are so beautiful and wonderful. We just like clicked on every level. Um, and it's a lasting relationship. Like, I'm pretty sure like if I get married, the kids are going to be in my wedding. Like yeah. that's, you know, um, and they, you know, knowing that I was going to school for my master's at the time, you know, said, why don't you just start an agency? <laughs> because you're really good at this. You have an international perspective, you know, you've worked with so many agencies knowing, you know, what you like, what you don't like about agency interference, for example. Um, and then what agencies should be doing that right. they aren't doing. Um, and so I started that, but ultimately my goal, I mean, I'm a perpetual student. I will be very happy to go to school the entire rest of my life. I want to learn all of the things. Uh, I really wish that vampirism were real so I could be like a vampire and just like study forever. (laughs) No sleep, just studying. (laughs) No sleep, just study. Yes. And I like sleep five or six hours a night anyway. Yeah. So I think like what, what working as a nanny has really catapulted me into was family dynamics and child therapy and like the obvious concept that you cannot change a child's behavior. You cannot help a child without changing how the parent interacts with their child. The family system must be changed. Absolutely. And also like, you know, parents being treated separately for their own issues that they're projecting onto their children, the, the, the negative and toxic cycles that they, that we would very much need and want to break. Um, you cannot help a child without helping the parent, um, even individually, not just with their relationship with each other, but on an individual level. Um, right. and especially in the high net worth community, because I've worked predominantly with high net worth families. Um, Again, I'm not saying that high net worth families are evil. I'm just saying that there's a lot of normalized abuse there mm-hmm. um, that we, we look at impoverished families and blame them for so many things in society when it is overt and obvious in high net worth societies as well, like the neglect and the systematic abuse and the normalized abuse of it. Um, it's just that they have a buffer. Right. It's, it's that they, you know, and because they all grow up with it generation after generation, it's, it's like, it, it is nature for them. It, it becomes this thing that it's totally normal for them. Yeah. And, and for me, I just, I've been overwhelmed by this desire to um, intervene as early as possible. Like my, my goal is to work with children newborn to three. Yeah. Um, and like with their families, because that age range is so important for the entire rest of your life, especially regarding like attachment and, um, social interactions that uh, intervening later is still possible, but it's more tricky. 
Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I think, you know, yes, agency, obviously, yes, I, I wouldn't have become a nanny agent had I not been a nanny, but I don't think I would have, I have a, a great passion for psychology and family dynamics and healing and self-care because of being a nanny. I, I, I'm, I, it is, it is my ultimate desire to just, you know, get to these, the roots of these issues to prevent them from perpetuating. Yes, absolutely. I, I really love everything that you just said (laughs) Um, and completely agree with it. And I'm, I'm currently getting my MFT, my marriage and family therapist degree and Mm -hmm. um, becoming a marriage and family therapist. Although we've now changed it to couples and family, which Mm -hmm. I really appreciate, but the licensure hasn't changed their name yet. um, Because I think that you don't have to be married to be a family. Um, But in the, in my program, we talk so much about like working with the entire family, because a lot of times parents will bring in their kid and say, fix my kid. And it's impossible. Mm -hmm. And I was called to that because of not necessarily my nannying work, but my tutoring work, Mm -hmm. um, because I would be getting called in to tutor and I'm like, your child's problem is not, um, it's not a learning disability. It's not, um, it's not behavioral. It's, it's your culture in your home around homework mm-hmm. and perfectionism mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is really holding them back. And so yeah. like, you know, and in tutoring, there's really not like, I could, I couldn't be like, Hey, like for this session, we're all going to meet, um, because that just wasn't the relationship. Um, and so I went back to school (laughs) to get Mm -hmm. my, my family counseling degree so that I could then be like, Hey, I have a degree. Let me help you in the way that will actually help you. No, but that makes a lot of sense that, you know, it would show up in the tutoring, uh, you know, venue because a lot of parents, when they're in that situation, it seems like they are like, what's the easiest, quickest Mm -hmm. fix. Mm -hmm. And that is normally like, they're just bad at school. Okay. Get them a tutor. Oh, they're upset. Okay. Like, let's just send them here. It's never like this communal, like, let's all work on this together because that's not the norm. That's not Mm -hmm. like what's been around for a long time. The norm has always been just send them off, just, (laughs) you know? And so that's really refreshing to, you know, hear because it is a very, I mean, it's a family, it's a family dynamic and it's very hard to just pick out like, well, it's, it's their fault. It's all their fault. Like they all, it's, it's very much like, who can we blame? Well, what, what parent wants to believe that they are the root cause, (laughs) you know? I mean, I, because I, I believe that, you know, we, we, there, there's that initial think thought that we're, you know, villainizing parents. And it's not that it's just that, you know, every parent wants to believe that they're doing everything that they can to be good. And they, and they, most of the time are, it's just that when you grow up with a certain parenting method being normalized, even if you realize that that it was toxic in your own life, Mm -hmm. you still, without the means to change it, will repeat it. 
and not even sometimes realize it. And so your best can still be worked on and your best can still also kind of be toxic in certain situations. Um, and tutoring isn't always the answer. I, I've recently been diagnosed with ADHD. I am most likely on the spectrum as well. I've been told by a therapist and doctor and several other people, but getting diagnosed with autism as an adult is really difficult. It is. But I was looking at and like as even, a, a a female adult as yes, extra exactly, <laughs> extremely yes. Um, and so, you know, looking at my own childhood. Um, I was sent to reading van. Now reading is something that I always excelled in because I had no friends growing up. <laughs> and so I just read all of the time. Um, and they sent me to reading van because my scores were low. And after like the second session, cause she asked me like mew, uh, she, she asked me to like read it and then like pronounce it. And I said, mew having never like heard of, she's like, no, you're, this is like three levels up <laughs> from where you should be. Reading is not your problem. But even then it was like, oh, well, she's just depressed. Let's medicate her with mm. some SSRIs, which no, again, problem's not serotonin here. <laughs> it's dopamine. Didn't know that until decades later. But looking at that simple issue, like, okay, well, let's fix this. Like, obviously she's not scoring properly. Let's, you know, put her in reading van, get her a tutor. Oh, that's not working. We must medicate then instead. Oh, the medication's not working. She's just broken. Like, <laughs> right. know? yeah. Um, and she's still excelling in every other, in, in like every subject anyway, getting straight C's is not excelling, but like, I wasn't doing any of the work. <laughs> it's just yep. like, all right, let me just turn this stuff in and skate. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it wasn't until decades later that, you know, but therapy was obviously, you know, but my parents were trying, they were looking to experts for help. Um, right. the, it, it's just that the information wasn't really there when we were younger. Um, well, there was still the stigma. There, yeah, right? there, 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 was, my... there was still the stigma and the stigma was really hardcore back then. I mean, mm-hmm. now it's thankfully far, far more accepted to, you know, say, Hey, I need some help go. And who do you recommend? I talk to, who do you recommend? I see, you know, what are some good coping mechanisms? Like, and because we're becoming more aware with our mental health and everything like that, we're able to recognize it better in, you know, the children we interact with. Mm-hmm. And that makes a lot of sense that you guys would go into psychology and therapy because you guys clearly have the eye for it and the mind for it. So that makes a lot of sense that nannying kind of perpetuated your path into, oh, I want to do this. I want to take care of families. I want to take care of couples. I want to take care of anyone that just really needs some help. Mm-hmm. And that's huge because 20 years ago, that's sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's not our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that stuff didn't occur. <laughs> Sorry. No worries. Oh, that's oh, funny. I love it. Trying to be so good. 
I know. Hey, <laughs> listeners, I am just going to beep it. Hey, listeners, if you do want a podcast that you cannot listen to around your nanny children, but is like a blast and also informative, she nannigans. Yeah, we, <laughs> like, swear, we swear a lot. Sorry. They, they swear on it. And it was so freeing when I got to be on their podcast. So <laughs> check it, it out. Such, it was such a great time to have you on. It was it was, it was fun. It was a highlight fun. of my life. We're gonna um, we're gonna be teaming up more and yeah. more. So yes, just please. look out, look out, world. <laughs> oh my gosh. The furry princess, a tale about a princess with a tail. This children's book follows Princess Sasha, a tiger about to receive her royal tiara as she makes new friends and finds self-confidence by learning ballet. Follow Sasha on her journey to become the furry princess. Available for purchase at thefurryprincess.com. But with, with, you know, for Marie, you know, you've always been a teacher as well. Like looking at all of the like summer camps that you've set up (laughs) and the like learning situations that you've offered for your kids and how you've sort of grown with them and making, you know, keeping things from the very beginning throughout the past eight years, but also innovating along the way to make things more complicated, to make them more age appropriate. Um, and adding, you know, learning opportunities for them, not only with like math, but also with history and science and things like that, things that you think that you're not good at, but you obviously are. And I, I love, I love that, you know, you've been able to use this experience as a nanny, as like a practice run for your classroom, because, (laughs) because ultimately that's what it's like. That's what it looks like to me. You, you are a teacher, you are, and you're, you're, you're a you're a teacher that is like perfect for your, your kindergarten classroom. I, I love, I love that that's your age group. I love that these children have you. Um, I, I love that this is an opportunity. Like I, nannying doesn't have to be, not, doesn't have to become, it doesn't have to catapult you into psychology and it doesn't even necessarily have to catapult you into teaching. It's just, those are like the two most often like gravitated towards professions. But I think Marie, this is where you excel. And this is where I think, you know, you will gain the confidence that you need and deserve because you are phenomenal and you're, su- you're such a great teacher. I'm, I'm really impressed by Aww. everything you do. Thanks, Tasha. <laughs> no, that means a lot because I think a lot of things that nannies also really excel in as like teaching life skills to their mm-hmm. kids and teaching like I joke, but these kids are still learning how to be humans. They're right. still learning how to be and interact. And what's, what's the right thing to do? What's the wrong thing to do? Oh, this happened that you weren't expecting. How do we react? It's all about like, yes, I want to validate emotions. I want to validate these things. However, if you don't provide them the tools, that's when you have your classic meltdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like that's really important as nannies. And again, that ties into both teaching and, you know, therapy and psychology, because these kids are going to have these emotions and that's great. But if they learn how to cope with these situations and learn that life doesn't always go the way you think it's going to go, or sorry, Billy's playing with the blocks today. And, you know, little Joe had his eyes set on the blocks, but Billy's playing with them. It's not your turn. Well, this is a great teaching opportunity Mm -hmm. because sorry, 
hey, I really wanted Starbucks this morning. The line would have taken about 45 minutes. I had to suck it up and be like, guess no Starbucks today. But it's, it's that kind of just very minute actions is what helps someone become a healthy, healthy human. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and just- I, I, I did, I, I did still survive without my Starbucks. Oh. <laughs> well, and just even being able to transfer those skills to working with adults, like I looking at, you know, child psychology and having to work with children, it really frustrates me that we pigeonhole ourselves as, as therapists and counselors and psychologists, when really we carry our childhood traumas with ourselves and throughout our entire lives, there are aspects of our personality that are well solidified in childhood, you know, as a nanny being able to command a household of children totally transfers into being able to be that, you know, executive in the boardroom or chef in a restaurant, you know, you have those skills to transfer into a a position of authority in so many different arenas. I mean, it's just, I think one, you have to have the confidence to do so, but also think of it, you know, children are easier and more difficult to manage in a lot of different aspects, but honestly, adults really aren't that different. Right. And you know, just how many nannies are, uh, you know, cook for their families, not just the children, but all like the families as a whole prepare, you know, the family dinner and get really into it. Um, you know, that could totally lead to a culinary career or, you know, a lot of nannies bake with their nanny kids on a regular basis and start to practice different recipes and get inventive and, you know, it could, it could end up as a, you know, career, you know, with pastries and, and other baked goods. I, I think there are so many opportunities for us to, to hone our skills with our children. Um, Even if you don't want to be a nanny the rest of your life, there are so many different options for you. I think it's just realizing those skills that you have and how transferable they are into so many different areas, because I mean, ultimately, we can do anything <laughs> and yes. it's all, it's all just about, you know, having that confidence to, to, to go for it. I think. Yeah. That's, that's the scary part. Right. Yeah. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely terrifying, especially in the beginning when you're making like no money. Right. Um, and it's like, Oh, that, that nanny money was so good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, but you know, I mean, ultimately if the goal is to have this one specific thing, you're going to have to, start at the beginning, um, and work your way up just like you did with nannying, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it's scary, but we have, we have all of these skills that are so transferable in so many different ways that it really just, for me, it was my nanny family saying, Hey, you can do this. Mm-hmm. You can do this. And I was like, Oh, you know what? I, I, I think maybe I can like, I, it's, it's so sad that our own voices in our own heads aren't as strong as other people's. No, but that's Um, the thing. And if you have that support system, mm -hmm. then that just gives you that validation of like, oh, I, I can do this. And like, Mm -hmm. I know with me is that external validation is so important to me. (laughs) Like like me, please like me. (laughs) Um, But I, I don't know, like I said earlier in the podcast, I had so much encouragement and because it was genuine encouragement, mm-hmm. it wasn't this like, oh yeah, give it a go, see what's going to happen. You know, even on my first day teaching, 
I got two separate messages from the mom and the dad saying, way to go. You got this. We're so proud of you. You know, that is so special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is why I'm clinging onto them with white knuckles because <laughs> I'm like, no, I will find a way to make this work. And no, I'm not compromising. Like this mm-hmm. isn't a compromise. Right. This is a, I am taking on a brand new challenge and this is huge and it's scary. And they believe in me. And the kids, even that morning were like, you got this, Miss Marie. We're so mm-hmm. proud of you. You know, like that's, that's the stuff I needed. I needed like, cause I do, I doubt myself. And I know all of us all have moments where we doubt ourselves, but them doing that, the kids doing that, I must've been like, you know, really, I was nervous before my first official day. And I think they could visibly see that. And just the idea of them being like, you're going to be great. And I'm like, wow, thank you. You know, like that, that means a lot. And just because I was able to make it work and I was able to stay part-time with them and do part-time at the school, that's, you know, wonderful, but don't let your fear stand in your way Mm -hmm. because it's very easy to stay in a comfortable place. And you have to challenge yourself. You have to believe in yourself. And it's okay if you need that external validation because that's normal. It's normal to want someone to be like, yeah, you can do it. Be like, oh, you think so? All right, cool. I'm going to go do this. Um, But don't let fear stand in your way. And if you want to be a career nanny and that's all you want to be, more power to you. I mean, that's amazing. I I still don't know. And so that's kind of why... I don't have children of my own. I don't have a spouse. I am all on my own in this adventure, you know, financially. Right. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now mm-hmm. because I can't have the 10 years down the road. Man, I wish I had done that. Man, mm-hmm. I wish I would have done it when I had the freedom to do it and I didn't have all these other obligations. And so that also plays a role in this. And I know a lot of nannies have, you know, husbands and boyfriends and girlfriends and, you know, whatever. There's a lot of decision-making that happens when you're coming to the end of a nanny job. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of times where you're just like, what's the easiest solution? And sometimes you just have to go for the easiest solution is clearly finding another family. Um, For me, I was like, yeah, that's an easy solution, but that's not what I want. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want that. And so I had to make the harder decision. And I'm glad I did. I am. Now, yeah. did I have like nights where I was awake and like, oh my God, what am I doing? Of course I did. But <laughs> once I got into the classroom and I put up my bulletin boards and met all the other teachers and got into the groove of it, I was like, yes, this is, this was the right decision. This was it. Like, so, you know, just because something seems scary doesn't make it impossible. Right. So just my words of wisdom. (laughs) Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And, and I, I went through a similar journey. So Katie Anderson, who's been on the podcast and I just started this business called compassionate childcare, where we teach like, um, positive discipline, gentle parenting strategies. And it's scary. And right now we are in the like, we have not, you know, we're not in the black yet and we just started and it's, it's a really scary place to be, but 
I believe in what we're doing and it lights me up to share like gentle parenting. I feel like we're helping folks break those cycles that they just don't like, you don't even know how to break. Like, cause using timeouts, one of our courses is called alternative alternatives to timeouts Mm -hmm. and using timeouts, like even 10 years ago was the most compassionate option. Mm -hmm. Like that was what was taught in schools and like, you know, in the education field and all of this stuff. And now we know better. And so we're doing better. Um, But yeah, I just am like, but if you don't know, then you don't know. And you're using timeouts and you're like, this is, this is how I, I was raised. Mm -hmm. We got to do it. And even if you know that like, well, this didn't really work for me, right. But it's what's being done. So maybe I should do it anyway and not know that there are other options out there. That's where the, that's where the issues come in. Like not all parents are repeating these cycles, not knowing that they were damaging. It's just that most of the time they just don't know that there are other methods that work out there. Right. You know, and it's, it's really about learning how to do those things and what works for your specific child and not even for all of your children sometimes and not even every day and not even every day absolutely (laughs) same child different strategy on a different day which makes it even more easy to go with what you grew up with even if you hated it even if it didn't work even if it's not working now because it's what's it's what you knew and it's what you're perpetuating it's 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 an easy go-to you know what the outcome is going to be even if you don't like the outcome you can like, at least like work with that. It's, it's less work. Right. Hypothetically when really it's, it's more work in the long term. so much more work in the long term, but yeah, yeah, in the short term it's, you know, manageable kind of not really. Yep. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Goodness. Yeah. Are there, is there anything else that you all feel like we didn't really get to touch on that you're thinking, man, I wish we had talked about. Um, I'm just trying to think of like all the different ways. Um, I have a nanny, uh, well had a nanny. She's now like, she was a performer just like you were originally, mm-hmm. uh, Martha. Um, she, uh, became a nanny only because she was a Disney cruise worker and, nice. um, all the cruises shut down and yeah. then, but she was like, I love working with children. I love that aspect of my job. I'm going to be a nanny. And then she was a dream nanny. Um, and then now is going back to performing. And I think that like, there are so many different things that we can do that we do on a daily basis with our kids. It's just, you know, knowing that those options are out there, you know, if performing is something that you really enjoy, like playing dress up and, you know, putting on a show, um, you can like, and you don't even have to be like on the stage, you can be behind the scenes. There are so many different things that you can do that start with nannying. I, I feel like, you know, it's, it's really about following what you enjoy and what you excel at. And hopefully those two things intersect. And if they do, then go with it. You know, I, I think that nannying while it can absolutely be a profession that's long-term and lifelong, if that's what you want, it doesn't have to be if it's not. And you can have a life and you can, and you can make a living and you can excel and you can build up your self-confidence in a profession thanks to being able to practice it with your kids. Yeah. 
And it also doesn't have to be linear. It doesn't. I think that that's something that a lot of um, nannies, because there isn't this like preset path for nannies, like there isn't a lot of other careers of like, I do the internship and then I do the blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And then, you know, and like, and then I'm the CEO um, where for nannies, like we're always kind of the CEO of our own yeah. <laughs> nanny business <laughs> from the jump. And so I think that keeping in mind that like, if you, you know, go into teaching and you do that for a little while and then you're like, you know what, I really like miss working with one family being super involved in one family's life and you go back to nannying, like there's no shame in that. It's awesome that you're checking in with yourself and listening and creating a life that serves you. Well, that's mm-hmm. the whole thing. It's, I am very determined on having a life that one I'm proud of and two that makes me happy and Mm -hmm. fulfilled I worked at a bank in a cubicle for almost two years and I have to say after I mean it served its purpose Mm -hmm. It, it, it helped me kind of like reboot almost um but I would see these people that were like, oh, it's my 35th anniversary here. It's my 40th. It's my 20th. And I'm like, I can't do this for anymore. Like Mm -hmm. I I can't, I was not built to sit in a cubicle. Now, Mm -hmm. was there security with that job? Sure. There was, I had a 401k and the health plan and the, this, but to me, that didn't mean as much as my actual like happiness Right. And I think that's a hard, hard decision to make is that, okay, what, what, am, what's a trade-off, you know, mm-hmm. like it's always a trade-off. And to me, I would choose nannying in a heartbeat over sitting in that cubicle again, because right. I, I can't, I can't, I can't, <laughs> like, I just, I, I, I just, it was, it was good for like, maybe six months. And then after that, I was like, I, yeah, no, I was like, mm-hmm. off the walls. Yeah. So, but I understand what you're saying, Martha, is that it's not, it's not anything to be ashamed of when you decide, Hey, I tried this, but it didn't really work out or it didn't really seem to like bring me as much joy as I thought it was going to. But you know, what did bring me joy was being a nanny or being mm-hmm. a teacher or being a psychiatrist or doing this. That's okay. Like it's, it's, it's okay. (laughs) No, no one is in charge of your life except for you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't, I, I also think that once you're a nanny, you're always a nanny. Oh yeah. Because I think a lot of people get nervous that they're going to be, I mean, I certainly feel this way sometimes of like, once I transfer over to being a, a family counselor, like will I lose my nanny community that I've like really built over Mm -hmm. the past 10 years? Um, and I, 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 I don't think so. I think once you're a nanny, you're always a nanny and like you understand a a deep thing that resonates in the nanny community that I don't think even folks who have teach, teached, well, Mm -hmm. there we go. Um, (laughs) Even folks who have teached can understand 
Um, I am originally from Tennessee, so. <laughs> I like that that's your cop out. We're from Pittsburgh, so we just say yins all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I think that, yeah, it, no matter no matter what you're doing, it it is deep and important work, and especially if it's it's your bliss. Well, to go going along with that, you know, using that like once a nanny, always a nanny kind of viewpoint, which absolutely, um, I look at it, especially from a like psychological perspective. Like I always try, and this is it's really helpful in interacting with people that I really just do not like in any way. <laughs> Um, it's a, it's a method that I use to like humanize them and feel compassion towards them instead of like abject hatred, which like is, is the go-to sometimes, um, is to like, look at the child within them because it's there, Mm -hmm. um, and meet them at that level because usually, especially when they're acting out and throwing a Veruca salt tantrum, (laughs) that's, that's their child coming out. That's, you know, the, 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 the traumatized, sad, you know, or even spoiled part of them. And you need to speak to that. And I think as nannies, you know, being able to look at, you know, our children in a compassionate way, whenever they're being, you know, difficult, um, it's, we can transfer that into how we interact with adults our age or even older than us. Um, Because really it is just about like speaking to that, that hurt little child in a corner, um, even if they're just, you know, spoiled. (laughs) Yes. That is such a good tip all around, no matter what (laughs) you're doing in your life. (laughs) And I will add, it also works on yourself when you are being, when you're like, why am I feeling this way? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, when you like do, you know, those days that you say things and you're like, that was unkind. And I don't know why, like, what is going on with me Mm -hmm. to your inner child's you can get a lot figured out <laughs> with curiosity and an open heart and compassion. Yeah. You can get a lot figured out. Definitely. Definitely. I agree. Um, awesome. Okay. Where can folks find you? Everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere. We see you. No, <laughs> we're right behind you. Um, we we're on uh, essentially every streaming platform. You can find us on Spotify, iHeartRadio. Um, oh my gosh, Stitcher, Amazon, Apple Podcasts. Apple yeah. Podcasts. We're we're basically on everything. So yeah, yeah. and you, we we even have links. You know, you can go through. Um, Buzzsprout, which is our like, you know, broadcast platform to just stream it directly from the website um, on your phone or computer. Um, we're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, more on Instagram than Facebook or Twitter because I'm the one who runs Facebook and Twitter, and I am bad at social media. <laughs> um, and I, I got you always... on Instagram though. Yes, Maria, and their Maria content the on Instagram is awesome. Solid. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's really great. Marie does a great job. Yes. Um, and uh, we, you can also reach out to us at shenaniganspodcast at gmail.com. Um, we love getting emails from people. We love getting feedback. Um, we love, you know, hearing how we can improve. And also we have guests all the time, just like Martha does. So um, if you like, you can contribute in any way, we would, we would love to, you know, to talk with you and have you on. Um, but all, you know, Constructive criticism is always 
really welcome and uh, you helpful. You can send that all to Tessa. I don't. Yeah, I'm good with it. constructive criticism. <laughs> I don't want to listen to any of it. I want the sunshine and rainbows. Tessa will take all the hate mail. <laughs> yes, I'll work through all that. Yes. Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm always like, if you, it's the people who like leave one star and then don't say anything. I'm like, well, now I can't learn or grow from that. Right, so, exactly. Yeah. And I don't yeah. have that many one stars. And if you love this and you're like, well, how is someone leaving a one star review? I know. I don't know <laughs> how it's happening. No, that's not, that's not cool. Go no, combat really it with your five star review of both Chronicles of Narnia and Shenanigans. They're just They're- jealous. Yeah. I think, yeah. They're like chugging you know that what? haterade, guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Help us can combat the haters by going and leaving five-star reviews five stars. for both podcasts. Mm-hmm. And also check out both of our podcast Patreon pages. Woo-woo. Wah, 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 because <laughs> here's a little reveal. There's gonna be a collab that only mm-hmm. Patreon sponsors can get to. So get excited. Game changers. I'm super excited. I'm like jumping through my skin at this idea. Me too. Me too. We all will be revealed soon, folks. But get ready because it's you're gonna want to be a Patreon sponsor. Yes, you will. Mm honest and for true well martha thanks for having us on this was super fun yes we end each episode with a cute fun story and marie has brought one i do i have one it's really funny so um (laughs) it's cute and fun and funny love Um, it so for my first nanny family it was my birthday and they're they were both um essentially non-verbal twins Mm -hmm. and they were two but they would talk like little bits here and there and they're like twin language. Mm-hmm. And so I remember taking them outside and again, they were not talking like really at all. We go outside and the little boy points up to the sky and says, helicopter. <gasps> and I just remember going, your mom is not going to believe you just said that. <laughs> Um, but I just remember being outside. It was like, I mean, it was, it was July and I was like, you really just said that. Like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get you to say that again? Mm-hmm. And so I did, I eventually told the mom and she was like, there's no way. Like what? <laughs> like he won't even say mom. Like he said helicopter. And I'm like, I'm, I'm so serious. So I get a message not that long after. And she's like, he said it again. <laughs> And I was like, he sure did. (laughs) So, yeah. So you go from a nonverbal two-year-old saying, you know, nothing to helicopter. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Which is is just another story of talk to your nanny kids. Narrating your day is so important. Mm-hmm. They are listening. They, they, they are, are listening. They are mm-hmm. listening. But yes, I all I did was stand there and talk and talk and talk. And now I have a podcast. That's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But yes. So oh, there you go. That thank should, you. That should warm your heart a little bit. Yes. <laughs> I love that so much. Well, Marie, Tessa, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was a blast. Yeah, oh, we we had so much fun. Thank you for having us.
This is really great. This show has oh, been brought to you by Machine Culture. We'll see you next week. The Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler. Artwork by Noni Blastodon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. 